I don't think these virtual meetings, now we're having one, are, are a substitute for a live in-person meeting. There are certain things that you can't do virtually. Uh, one of them is making love, and the other one, at least not so far, and the other one, the other one is having medical meetings, uh, because medical meetings, really the whole purpose of them is human beings interacting with each other. Doctors with other doctors, seeing friends, doctors with industry, doctors with faculty, faculty with faculty, and it just doesn't work in a virtual format. Hi. I'm Dr. Steve Elias, and welcome to The Vein Podcast. Respect the elders, embrace the new, and encourage the improbable and impractical without bias. Welcome, everybody, to another Vein Podcast uh, sponsored by Radcliffe Group uh, with Dr. Steve Elias. Uh, we have been doing this ongoing series discussing issues that have occurred in uh, 2020 due to the COVID pandemic. And this uh, session is entitled the 2020 venus meetings a post-mortem uh, and what i try to do here is get some non-societal uh representatives actually the representatives of all the vein meetings throughout the world out of the really largest vein meetings uh because they pose different issues than a societal meeting so uh with us today from representing charing cross is uh, manj goel from International Vein Congress, or IVC, Jose Almeida, and then uh, Venus Symposium, Tony Gasparis, Nico Labropoulos, and uh, from the uh, Veith meeting, surprise, surprise, we have uh, Frank Veith. Also, uh, Tony and I and Nikos will also represent some discussions regarding expert Venus management as well. Uh, so I want to welcome all you guys here. Uh, we had a little bit of a Zoom problem, but uh, we've all got it together um, on this nice Saturday morning here in the fall. Uh, so, guys, I have a uh, little question for you. We know that that postmortem, you know, when we used to go to the autopsy lab, which I didn't enjoy doing so much, uh, you were looking to see what did the patient die from and what did the post show. So, Bonj, you want to state the obvious? What did our, our meeting patient die from this year? Um, well, this little thing that people may have heard of called COVID-19 has just completely destroyed life as we know it, um, both professionally and personally, and uh, and meetings have been another casualty to that. Um, so I was just looking through my diary. So there are 11 meetings that I would have been at since the uh, lockdown started in, in the UK uh, in March that I've obviously not been able to go to. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's been it's been interesting. It's been um, it's been a real chance to reflect. Um, do we need so many meetings? What's the best format for meetings? Um, but also, I'm going to be trying to be positive as well. I think yes, we've certainly had uh, you know a bit of a death of meetings as we know it. But who knows? This could be a chance for a new phoenix to rise from the ashes and to, us to to develop as a group um, across you know different countries new ways of of sharing learning in different ways so so that's the sort of process certainly we're going through at charing cross at the moment yeah no and i know everybody's uh, going through it and some of some of the meetings in 2020 died a quick death and then did rise in 2020 some kind of was dying this semi-slow painful death and maybe they 
we're going to come up for a while. Then they went back down, you know, kind of like that patient in the, in the ICU or whatever that uh, they're on a ventilator, candidate them off a ventilator. Uh, and then finally, everybody basically decided to all of you to end your meeting uh, an in-person meeting at, at some point. Um, Jose, when you went through a little bit of a ups and downs here, when did you, what were kind of the things you went through as your meeting was live, at least was dying? Yeah. So interesting to say the, the least. Um, so we, we are in our 18th year and at American Venus forum earlier this year, which, uh, this year was early March in North Florida was when the little buzz started circulating that, wow, this, this thing is real. I mean, I'm hearing the reps get on travel bans and then uh, universities starting to restrict travel of their faculty and, uh, and IVC, uh, in April is the following month. And I'm like, holy shit, this is uh, a problem. Um, and then, uh, you know, thankfully, you know, I think we all know the pretty draconian hotel. Uh, once you sign on with them, if you cancel, I mean, I know I'll just take my number personally. If I cancel a month before in traditional times, I owe personally $690,000 that I signed for. I don't have anybody else signed for it. I sign on that line. Thankfully, they were cooperative because of the situation. They allowed us to change dates and, well, let's try July. And, and uh, ironically, July was the peak for Miami. Uh, so we set up an alternate strategy just to do something this year, you know, something virtual. So we did our typical uh, IVC on those July dates and filmed everything and broadcast some things virtual. Of course, you were part of it, Steve, doing the V2 Symposium. And then throughout the rest of the year, we've been rolling out a monthly uh, web webinar, I guess, uh, you know, uh, hourly video from all those cases that we did that week. Um, I had my typical AV crew uh, was from New York. Two weeks before, they tell me they can't come down because of the quarantine. So I had to scramble for a Florida AV crew that I've never used before. I mean, it was it was interesting. Uh, but at least we got that done and we've got, you know, a program this year going out and, and have some educational uh, content going out throughout the year. And then hopefully next April, uh, we will be able to go live. Uh, my feeling is that it's going to be a hybrid meeting. Uh, my sense is that, you know, maybe 100 or 200 people will feel comfortable coming into a ballroom with a mask on and, and the rest would prefer to watch it, you know, as we're doing now from a, from a zoom type format. So I think we'll go ahead and offer both. Yeah. So, so Frank, you, uh, you and I had gray hair before COVID. Uh, Manj had, had, had uh, his hair or lack of it before COVID. Um, but you, I know went through a lot for a long time and uh, give us a little bit of the experience and, and what you gained from that. Well, I, I, I think we lost more than we gained, but, uh, and, and somebody mentioned postmortem, I would call it intramortem because the darn thing is still going on and there's still a lot of uncertainty. Uh, also, somebody mentioned meetings dying. Uh, I, I would like to consider our meeting as in suspended animation because we, uh, as you know, have our meetings in November. Uh, early on, we, uh, Reschedule that November 2020 meeting for February 2021 
And then we went through the uh, unpleasant uh, game of uh, folks telling us that they weren't going to be allowed to come to meetings, both from industry and from attendees. So we ended up canceling, again, suspended animation, uh, the February 2021 meeting. Uh, of course, worried about the hotel liabilities. Ours would have been enormous in normal times, but the hotel uh, shared our concern for financial losses, uh, which is one of the stresses because salaries still have to get paid and so forth. So uh, we've now elected to cancel the February or the 2020 meeting, including its February 2021 date. And we're going to have that meeting, hopefully, again, some uncertainty, in November of 2021, by which time, God willing and, and science willing, we'll have a vaccine and people will start to travel. Uh, in the meantime, we're holding, and Enrico Asher is uh, sort of spearheading this effort, we're holding either monthly or bi-monthly uh, webinars, which seem to be attractive. But I have to tell everybody, I don't think these virtual meetings, now we're having one, are, are a substitute for a live in-person meeting. There are certain things that you can't do virtually. Uh, one of them is making love. And the other one, at least not so far. And the other one, the other one is having medical meetings, uh, because medical meetings, really, the whole purpose of them is human beings interacting with each other, doctors with other doctors, seeing friends, doctors with industry, doctors with faculty, faculty with faculty, and it just doesn't work in a virtual format. So we've toyed with the idea of having some form of virtual or even hybrid meeting. But for us, I don't think it's going to work. It's too expensive. Uh, people don't, uh, everybody you talk to says, I'm Zoomed out. I, I don't like these multitude of Zoom meetings. So we're hoping that uh, the landscape ultimately, when the virus is controlled and planes are flying again, and people are willing to get, get on them because they feel safe, I think that we should go back to live meetings. Now, I may be wrong, but that's that's our bet. And the format of our meeting is so large and so intense that I, I really don't think, nobody's gonna watch a meeting for eight or 12 hours a day. They just, that's not gonna happen. Yeah. So we're hoping that by November of 2021, we can at least have some form of live meeting. We'll of course record it so that people will be able to to go to it, but I, I don't think we can do it in a Zoom format. Uh, as I say, there are some things that just can't be done uh, virtually. So that's our thinking. Of course, it's like Jose mentioned, everybody feels uh, it's very stressful. It's stressful from a financial point of view, certainly, but also from a feeling isolated point of view. Uh, yeah. You guys are all seeing your patients and stuff like that we're pretty much isolated and and it's very unpleasant it's got to end and yeah, no, uh, no. hopefully it'll end soon no hopefully it will and i okay so your thing is we're we're which is which is good we're going to wait we're going to wait and we'll just bag it and go to november and hopefully we can do it live again well, we'll, we'll have we'll have stuff to keep yeah our meeting just like everybody else out in front of 
our audience and industry with these uh, webinars, but even a good webinar, if you get three or 400 or 500 people, that's great. And we did one Chinese webinar, we didn't organize it, but the Chinese somehow get 18 to 20,000 people on a webinar. Right. That's awesome, we can't do that. And the SVS can't do that. I mean, Parodi's uh, got an international award and it was, it was really very exciting and all the rest. They had 250 people max watching that webinar. Yeah, so no, it really is not a substitute for a live in-person meeting. No, a lot has been lost, but uh, so Tony, give us the, uh, I think Venus Symposium was a little quick on the, on the draw, so to speak. Um, and you just guys more embraced earlier. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we were the first ones to be affected. Um, it was at AVF, like Jose mentioned, uh, first week of March and our meeting was uh, two weeks later. Um, we called up our management company. We told them, you know, from AVF, that we're going to be canceling or moving it. And they thought we were crazy. Uh, soon after, within a week or so, they realized that that, you know, that was the case, especially in New York, where we were hit big uh, mid-March. Um, we had this fantasy, obviously, that we we're going to do it in July. Um, but um, we knew that was not going to be the case. We just moved it from a hotel perspective until from a financial per, you know, perspective, they were willing to, to cancel uh, our commitment. Uh, but again, sometime in mid-March, we decided to start playing in the webinar world and see what kind of interest and, and uh, attendance we can get. And I think uh, our first webinar was like March 20th or 23rd or something like that. Um, and we had, you know, surprisingly a very good response and that persisted. Uh, so within a month or so, we decided to go ahead and do the meeting virtually. And we had you know, to make extensive adaptation, finding you know, we were one of the first meetings to do a, a virtual event. So we had to find a company uh, that was capable or able to do this. Uh, uh, the company we usually use for IAV was asking for the same amount of money as a live event, which was ridiculous. Um, so we had to make some changes and figure it out. and. We we understand that ultimately, you know, pricing. What are you going to price this at? I mean, what are people willing to wear, you know, pay for? Um, so it was a lot of, you know, careful thinking. I guess some guessing, um, and uh, we ended up having a pretty successful event. I mean, we had I think around twelve hundred attendants. Um, so it, it worked out okay. Uh, we're continuing to do these webinars. We are still pessimistic as far as next April. Um, at this point, we've decided we're going to be doing this virtually again next year, uh, at least in the early part of the year. But I think Frank's right. Hopefully by the second part of the, of the year, we should have enough you know, vaccine and people getting a little bit more comfortable to get some type of attendance, maybe you know, 40, 50 percent of usual. And then by 22, we should be back, hopefully, to normal. Yeah, I mean, I find it crazy that we're talking about these kind of things late 2021, 2022 and None of us, as Jose said, in the, at the AVF meeting in Mar end of February, did we ever think this is where we'd still be now. Yeah. Um, some me, I will tell you this, I'll just speak a little bit. I'm going to ask Nikos to talk a little bit about the, uh, the expert Venus management meeting, which I think went the opposite direction. This was a meeting that you know we have in person. 
for a small group of people that are essentially kind of invited in a way. People have already been doing a lot of vein work and we keep it at a level of just case presentations and dis difficult cases and discussion. And we were able, usually we leave it to about 50 to 60 doctors and then industry are able to come in as well in person. But our, the EVM, when we went uh, virtual in, in June instead, and Nikos, what EVM US, we had what, maybe 200, 300 people come? Yeah, and uh, it was very nice actually because I mean, echo everybody's comment. I, I, I like to tell you a story that uh, it really fascinated me before I start this. I, I read an article in March, some really brilliant guy, unknown, he wrote, I wonder what life will look like in 2022. That was, a, and I was surprised. This is what happened to 2021. The guy really predicted that, you know, the virus is gonna affect us within 2021. And he was thinking of normal life in 2022. It's fascinating. But what I want to, to come into, I think there's a certain beauty on, 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 the, on the physical meeting. And I like to echo, you know what? I mean, there is Miami, Manhattan, London. And, and I can tell you a small example. We can make a meeting in Stony Brook, which is not far from Manhattan. Weigh the registration, pay people to come, to pay them to come, right? They were not going to come. We're going to maybe 100 people. And then you go to Miami or, 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 or London or, or, or Manhattan, then everything's expensive. People go. Why? Because there's a certain beauty goes to these places. So I think the pandemic accelerated virtual education, which in my opinion is here to stay, but definitely it is not a replacement for the actual live meeting where colleagues meet together and a tradition built over a long period of time, right? Now, going back to the EVM, EVM has, is a different animal because it is, um, is a smaller meeting, right? That, that, that you know, serves a smaller purpose than these other big meetings. Right. And I think it's easier and it's more flexibility to do something virtual. And, and, and in this actually, because it's based on clinical cases, people are really happy to join in and get more people virtually than in person. Right. Right. Yeah, so that's what I'm seeing, but there Steve, are could yeah. I make a comment or ask some questions? Sure. What we found is we get, let's say, six to 700 people registering for one of our webinars, but the people who register will come on maybe for a few minutes and then they leave. In other words, the intensity of an in-person meeting yeah. where you're taking time off from work to interact with other people and to get educated, both are equally important and to interact with industry. You just can't do that virtually. The, the, the uh, attention span in a virtual meeting is at best an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. It's not a whole day no. and, and a whole night. And, and so I agree with both Tony and, and others who say that it's a good thing. It's, it, it, it's another way of educating, but meetings are not just about educating. They're about human beings interacting. And, and that just doesn't work no. virtually. Well, I, I wonder what everybody else's opinion is on that. When you say you have 1,200 people, Tony, do they stay for the whole time or do they come in and out? And, and now that people are working, uh, they, they, you know, they have to do their work and they may come on for a few minutes and then, then leave. Well, what's been your experience? So, so, so for the webinars, you're right. For the one hour webinars, it's much better. Um, you know, a lot of people register 
Um, only about 40% actually are on there live. Right. And usually for an hour event, we see about an average of around 40 to 45 minutes of um, at least that their computer is on. We don't even know if they're listening. For Watch, minutes, right. right. Yeah, um, they may be looking at the stock market. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or doing work at the same, you know, at the same time. But for the longer meeting, which was four hours, the Venus Symposium, the average um, time of the computer being open um, was about two and a half hours. And you're right, people will get on and off. But the interesting thing is, at least in the webinar, we haven't seen at the Venus Symposium, but on the webinars, we get a, a significant number of views after the event. So on demand, right. actually. Right. It doubles. Yeah, right. it doubles. We get around 400 to 500 views, uh, which kind of makes up the whole registration number. So there is, uh, the, the other thing I wanted to comment, which is interesting, is that this virtual education, you're absolutely right, Frank, there's no way live meetings are going to be replaced. But this virtual education opens the door to education to a significant number of people that would never go to a live meeting. Absolutely we have right. seen our numbers of contacts grow right. like crazy yep. Um, yep. that we've never had access to. No, that's right. So, and the last, the last EVM meeting we had was, was EVM uh, Europe. Mantra was part of that as well as Tony and Nikos. We had a, the Europeans presenting stuff. And we had like people from 69 countries had signed on to this thing. So, you know, as Tony said, you're going to reach a, another audience that you may not have reached before. I want to move a little into another area. Uh, Jose, do we need, do you guys, all of us, the meetings we run, do we need to do them every year? Why do we, why do we do them every year? Well, that's a good question. Um, I think it's a continuity thing. Um, being on the, you know, as you know, especially as, as the space became more crowded in the last 10 years, just meetings everywhere, uh, to, to know that you've got your little slot in April and, and people know you, um, you know, I think there's some value to that. Uh, you, you don't want to go to every other year with, with all the, uh, the, you know, the, all the meetings that are popping up and then leaving. So I, I think you got to do an annual meeting, uh, you know, why annual? I don't know, but it just seems to work well. I mean, again, our, this is our 18th. Uh, it's a routine. As you know, a meeting cycle is about a year, getting the faculty ready, getting the talks ready, getting uh, budgeting and, and grants from industry, and everybody's in their own budget cycles. And when they know your meetings in April, that helps on all the budget cycles of all your your industry vendors and, and and your faculty that has to go to multiple meetings and everyone. So I think an annual cycle uh, works well. I think twice a year would be way too much. And every yeah. other year, I think you're going to miss out a little bit. So it seems that the annual uh, works well. Okay, Manj. The, well, yeah. No, it's part of our, I agree with you, say it's part of our uh, actually in uh, heritage. If you look from the ancient times, people have festivals. And the festival that once a year, and the people came together right. to celebrate, to drink, to talk about science sometimes, or to mess around, whatever. And it's part of our, like, you know, all for every 10,000 years, this is what's happening. And the, the medical meeting is not an exception. I mean, this is what's going on. So, so Banj, do you agree with this? Do you think that you are going to lose your following if you went to every other year? 
Um, in a word, yes. I mean, look, there's a big commercial component here. I know we've sort of skirted around it, but these meetings all have their own brands and there will be meetings that will not exist if they miss a year. Those sponsors that support them that year, their money will go elsewhere. That, that habitual uh, familiarization with the audience that happens every year won't happen. And, uh, you know, this is a big component. And I think the meetings that will really suffer are those where the live event is the majority of the income. And I think the big meetings we're talking about that we all sort of are involved with, uh, you know, there's a lot of diversification, there's a lot of other educational activity, a lot of other stuff that goes on. Um, and I think I was just gonna say one other thing, which is, look, we are great innovators in, in vascular and venous disease. This is, our, this is our big drive, our big opportunity to innovate in education. Um, we, even when it is possible for live meetings to recur, I, I can't see the same level of enthusiasm returning very quickly at all. Um, you know, people aren't going to want to travel. Hospitals aren't going to want to release people. Just to, even not even going into the commercial aspects. I mean, just imagine the insurance um, costs and the, the negotiations with the venues and all of these really difficult, pragmatic things. So I think we have to innovate and and. This has to turn into a, a hybrid uh, opportunity, both for, yes, of course, the live activity that we all enjoy and, and thrive on, but, but also taking education to new audiences and offline as well. I mean, it's, you know, we've got no choice. I don't think it's going to be the same. I mean, it's one, two, I'm thinking five or 10 years. No, no, I don't think it's going back to exactly the same. Frank, how about industry? I mean, your meeting, it's, it's huge in terms of industry support. How are they asking how they can get their kind of return on investment. In other words, what's well, their feelings? That, that, that's a very interesting point. But but first of all, I th let me address the last question that was discussed. I think the reason to have an annual meeting is there's a lot of new stuff. And to keep up to date, if you wait two years, you're going to miss a lot of that stuff. Uh, in other words, like the paclitaxel controversy. There, there's a bunch of new data that's come out which changes the whole landscape. So I, I think you really do need even more than an annual meeting, but you need at least an annual meeting to keep people informed. Then the other point about industry, let's face it, industry, without industry, we don't have a meeting because people can't afford to pay the amount of money that it costs to put on a meeting. So industry is essential and industry, and I talk to them all the time or repeatedly, they say that they really don't get much out of a virtual meeting. They may get a little something. It's an infomercial for their product or something like that, but they need the uh, human interaction of the doctors, the customers with the uh, suppliers, or it just doesn't work. So a virtual, I don't know what the other uh, guys on this uh, webinar think, but we've been told that the, the virtual a meeting hall or, or uh, exhibition yeah. hall is of no value or very little value to uh, to the companies. And certainly they're not well attended because you don't have the human interaction, which is so important. So an industry is, I mean, we've always, one of the things that's made our meetings successful is we were amongst the first to recognize that industry is our partner. They're, they're not some second rate, money-grabbing organization, they're really essential to everything we do. And, and we early on made them partners in our ventures. And, and 
it just doesn't work in a virtual environment, even though they may support it uh, to a certain extent. So have they come up with, uh, well, let me go to Tony here. So Tony, has industry come up to you? I mean, they've come up to, to you and me and stuff and made suggestions that to in a virtual space, this is what we would really like? In other words, what does industry want? I think they are trying, you know, I agree with, with Frank. I mean, there's difference of walking in those elevators at the Hilton and, and, and looking at the advertisement every time you go into the elevator compared to, you know, watching a webinar and getting that marketing embedded into, into the physician's brain. Um, but, uh, you know, industry, you know, they're taking this opportunity also to see if they can innovate, just like we're talking about here on how potentially they can include this type of virtual education that Nikos uh, eloquently mentioned has skyrocketed, you know, exponentially um, and how they can utilize it to see, to, you know, on a return on investment. I think it's early still, we don't know what's gonna happen. I think there's definitely opportunity. It's just how is the format of education needs to change to keep people engaged and how can, you know, from a marketing perspective, from industry, how can they get return on investment? Yeah, and I think that's a hard thing for them to get a handle on. I think they're kind of going along because they want to see what they can do and we're all learning together. But if it continues like this, as Frank, as you say, oh. they're going to start to say, hey guys, we're, we're, not getting, we're not getting anything out of this. Jose, let's talk about, you know, during the breaks and for industry, people physically go to their booth they touch the products, they look at the products, they get some idea about how it, it feels in their hand. And is there any way we can do that in a virtual space at all? You're yeah, no, I mean, as, as you hear, uh, you know, Frank's undertone, I, I'm, I'm, I agree, I, I don't like this whole virtual stuff, I'll just say, it. I, don't, I don't like it. I like live meetings uh, for all the reasons that we stated. Uh, you gotta interact with people, you gotta interact with colleagues, uh, you know, one thing that I found interesting, just kind of, uh, you know, a, as a speaker, you're in and going to meetings, you're, you're in this constant state of dialogue. We take it for granted, but the, the things we say about our, our particular, you know, knowledge base, I guess, just rolls off the top of our tongue, you know, deep being a stenting and all the terminology that we use. And, and, you, and, you, and you quit giving a few talks for a few months and, and things start running dry in the forebrain and they start going to the back brain and you find yourself that you can't even rattle off, you know, clinical trials and things that you were, you know, uh, second nature. So yeah, you start to forget. Uh, there, there's nothing like a live meeting. I, I tend to think that live meetings will resurrect themselves once this virus goes away. And uh, this virtual stuff doesn't work. This is a band-aid for what we really want. Nobody wants to do this stuff. I don't want to do Zoom stuff for two hours. It, it, it doesn't work for me. No, I agree. I think we all are. I mean, look, we, we all do procedures. We're all surgeons and those people listening do procedures and stuff. And we don't you know, we're not the kind of people that sit at a desk in, a, in a one room and do our work all day. We were brought up as, as residents and, and doctors to interact with a lot of people during our day. We enjoy that. Plus, in interacting with our patients. And I think. Everybody misses it. Go tell look, look at normal life. I mean, I've been out for dinner once or twice. I mean, it's getting tiring of staying home and eating out every weekend. I mean, eating at home every weekend. I mean, it's the same thing with this. I mean, we definitely are going to every weekend. It's every day. 
exactly. Yeah. So, so, so can we? So, Frank, I, I mean, let's let's all kind of come together. Here. Frank, I think you have the best chance of yeah. maybe being the first live because you're late in in uh, 2021, and so we're we're kind of all looking at your meeting to see where it go, goes. Now, I don't want to hold you to anything, Frank, but at what point? Do you have to make the decision? We can't do this. How how long are you gonna? And don't worry, we're not gonna hold you to it. Is it? No, is, I, I I think we need for our meeting, which we usually get somewhere between forty five hundred and five thousand people, not all doctors, yeah, uh, but industry reps and stuff like that. Um, I think we need at least a thousand or fifteen hundred folks to create a um, in person meeting. Otherwise, it's probably not worth having. But what what's the bottom figure? I, I don't know. Economically, we need at least that number. Uh, How about time, time, time wise? When when do you say, you know? Well, a lot depends on the hotel. Hotel. Uh, hotel has been extremely, and Tony probably knows it because they use the same hotel. The, the Hilton in New York has been extremely cooperative with us because they don't want to have a meeting that doesn't succeed financially for them. Yeah. We don't want to have a meeting that loses a bucket load of money. Uh, that that just doesn't work because we, you know, we we go out of business like these restaurants, and and we really don't want that to happen. So I mean, I guess a thousand to fifteen hundred is 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 where we would probably draw the line. If it's less than that. It's it's not worth having, and there there will be still social distancing things and stuff like that, which will limit the number of people we can get in an auditorium and so forth. I mean, we really need a vaccine badly. Yeah. Uh, and Steve, and, it really and, depends on you know the governor. I mean, right now, it's not up to the hotel. I mean, you can't have a gathering more than I don't know right. what's the number now fifty. Yeah. Well, I I think the government in some cases. Is making huge mistakes, both the state government and the federal government. I mean, the, the, you know, and to try to blame somebody for this catastrophe is like blaming somebody for a hurricane or an earthquake. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's a, it's all over the world. It's a shared problem, right. and we should we should deal with it as a shared problem and with shared solutions, and not be out to to blame somebody uh, politically for for a catastrophe. I, I think, and that's happened in New York State and New York City. I think the the political climate has been abysmal for dealing with this. They made a lot Should of mistakes. for president, Frank. Yes, we're good. Frank Feith for president. No, um, no, no, no. Yeah. I, I think, look, everybody makes mistakes. And, and to try to, that's why you asked to predict the future. I think it's impossible. It will yeah. depend on getting good therapeutics and and a good vaccine, which is is right now it's up in the air. Well, nobody's going to take a vaccine that gives them a transverse myelitis. No, but Bonds, let me go back a little bit though to who who makes the final decision at at uh, Charing Cross, and have they made a decision yet regarding April twenty twenty one? Um, we're in discussions at the moment. I don't think it'd be a big surprise to say it's almost certainly not going to be a big live event. Uh, it's almost certainly going to be a virtual event. But these are discussions that are going on at the moment. And I think 
for all the things that have already discussed, um, the um, the financial implications of um, of a late cancellation to these events um, is potentially catastrophic, existential. So I think. Uh, you know, I think recognizing it's like with a patient, you've got to recognize a prognosis early and just make plans and, and move forward. And I think that's almost certainly what's going to happen with Sharon Cross. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get out of you guys, because I think making an early decision and just living with that decision is better than than agonizing for, for six months about it. Yeah, but Steve, the thing is, you know, uh, Maj is right. I mean, if the hotel tells you, I mean, right now, if, if you had a meeting, even if the hotel wanted to, you right. can't have it. Right. So you get out of the situation without having to worry about any financial implications. So it really depends on what the local, wherever the meeting is happening, what's the situation in that state or city. Right. Uh, yeah, if, yeah, you may, if you make a decision Tony, now, you, you, the hotel may really uh, tell you you're liable. But if yeah. you make it in January when they, they predict that there's no way they can have a meeting because of what's going on, then you're not liable. No, but, yeah, but, but the liability I, goes way beyond the hotel. I mean, oh, yeah. that 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 would be an even worse catastrophe if you had to pay a cancellation fee of a lot of money. But there, there's also, if you run a meeting, you have a infrastructure yeah. which makes that meeting possible. If you don't support that infrastructure through the time of no income, the meeting is going to die, and and that's why. I, I prefer the term suspended animation to death. <laughs> I, I think meetings have to survive and hopefully we can all suspend them and yet keep them alive so that they can come back to some uh, form of, of viability when the catastrophe ends. So, well, what I wanted people to, to get from this, aside, you know, a lot of stuff, but one of the main things I think is coming out that they should understand the anxiety and the uh, things that need to be thought about. It's not just have a meeting, don't have a meeting. This is all this other stuff, as you just said, Frank and Tony and, and, and uh, Jose and everybody else, that there's such wide ranging implications when you have a meeting or you postpone or cancel a meeting that are fi real financial, real world financial issues. And sometimes, you know, you are constrained by that. Um, I like the fact that everybody's kind of, heading towards, it would be great. We'd want a, a, a live meeting at some point again in, in our lives. Probably not gonna happen in 2021. Maybe to Frank, we hope so. Steve, let me make one comment. It's, it's a little in, in the weeds, but just on an optimistic note, um, you know, this business of, uh, of antibody immunity, and, and I'm not sure that T-cell immunity is getting the right recognition that, uh, you know, this herd immunity business, you need 65% of people infected to get herd immunity. In the T-cell immunity world, it's more down to 20, 25%. And just something I've noticed locally, just as an anecdote for some optimism, uh, you know, we know that all these pandemics are, are just the flu, for example. There's the vulnerable population that's going to die, and then there's everyone else. But if you follow mortality statistics, the, the, the mortalities, once it hits your town, New York, Miami, the mortality is going to occur in that initial wave, and then it's just going to be this lingering effect. But just for a concrete example, so July, we were the new epicenter. Right. Our numbers were going through, and I just used Jackson Memorial Hospital as my, so there were over 600 in-house at Jackson on vents in July. It spiked, it spiked crazy. Um, 
And then, and, and some of it was attributed to the bars reopening that the governor, our governor's a little more uh, relaxed on this. Uh, the bars reopened, the kids started spreading the virus, uh, was the thinking. But now uh, the numbers came down and we are in phase three. We're full open except for some restrictions. Bars are open. Numbers at Jackson Memorial Hospital are at 100 in-house now. Our, our sick people and mortalities are not increasing with some mild increasing numbers after our spike. As we come into the fall, we'll probably see a new flu season and some of that will get blamed on COVID. My sense is we all have some underlying immunity and as we're interacting with each other outside, we're transferring it to each other, you know, like the flu. You know, and ironically, in the summertime, when we're outside, we're actually infecting each other with the flu and making ourselves uh, immune. And then the fall hits and there's less deaths because we've been exposed during the summer. Now we all got masks on and uh, we're desensitizing ourselves. So this could be a total irony. That's just a, an aside. And right. the, uh, I, I like that concept. <laughs> well, right. It's a good it's a good concept. And uh, I like the idea, Jose, that you have not been wasting your time during the crisis. You become in an other idiot. words, I think young people are going to go back to meetings earlier than, than the older. Okay, yeah, older. I agree with that. Young I people think that, willing to do that yeah. you're, we're going to have trouble attracting uh, the older crowd. It's going to take them longer. Well, older crowd is, is me and, and some others on the call that, you know, we're obviously statistically more susceptible uh, than to, to younger people. Um, well. It's a work in progress for sure. Uh, we're certainly going to be doing virtual stuff up until uh, middle of 2021, I would think. And uh, we'll see where it goes after that. I, I do think we need to figure out with industry, as Frank says, they are our partners. We need to maybe engage them a little more into them telling us they got to think too, as Tony said, they're trying to innovate. And I think since they are our partners, uh, they're going to help us get through this too and make it good good for them as well because as we all know, they support uh, all this stuff. So anyone have any final things? I we try to end up on a positive note. Jose, you were, you were positive. Yeah. I like the ID thing, the infectious disease stuff, Jose. You can put that after your name also now. That was, that was good. Very good. Steve, I hope that we meet at Frank's meeting in New York and raise a glass and have a lot of fun. And it'll be a successful yeah, We hope so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're right, we're praying for that. <laughs> On the entrance to my hospital, guys, there's a plaque that says, whatever it is, it, is, it will pass. Um, that's the, the same applies to this. That's the British idea of things. <laughs> hey, I'm hoping New York, like, I'm New York hoping it's like, what, what do you mean? We can't do this now? Come on. So, <laughs> I'm, well, I'm optimistic. We're be at ABF too. in Texas in a few months, live. Where? ABF. No, it's not live. It's not going to happen live. They exactly. already made that decision. They already made the Tony. Tony's. No, no, no. The, the it's going to be decided uh, in November. Well, what what is that, Tony? ABF. For ABF. American Venus Forum in Texas. American Venus Forum. I I will be surprised. It's it's, it's planned to be virtual, but the hotel hasn't released us yet. Uh, I think November. There, if things don't get any better, they're they're going to decide. You know? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll go, Tony. Count me in. I'm going live. <laughs> You're going live. Okay. 
I may have to suffer and go live also, but let's see if it happens. I kind of don't think so. Time will tell. All right. We're shooting for maybe AVF, but certainly Frank's meeting. So thank you guys. I hope everybody understood that uh, postponing the meeting is not the simplest thing in the world and thinking about how to start the meeting again from its, as Frank said, suspended animation is also tough. So everyone stay tuned. I thank all of you guys for uh, helping us out work through this. Thanks a lot, everybody. We hope you enjoyed today's Vane podcast in association with Radcliffe Pascua. We aim to bring you important topics from the Vane world, either topics that we ourselves feel are important or you, our listeners, feel are important. So review us on your favorite podcast app or send your thoughts, comments, and questions to podcast at Radcliffe with an E-group.com. That's podcast at Radcliffe-group.com. You can also register to access newsletters, videos, and peer-reviewed journal articles. Thank you. Glad you listened. This is Dr. Steve Elias, and we'll see you on the next Bain podcast. Bain.